This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. Yo, what's up, everyone? Alan Shatares here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks Shits, etc. podcast. And not with me today is my buddy, Michael's pal, the man with the plan, the one only, John Malika. He is on the mend. He isn't feeling well. So it's just me today. But before we get into this, guys, got to do a little housekeeping as usual. If you listen to this podcast, we're on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. So make sure to subscribe. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us a five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment that helps us out oh so greatly. But guys, if you also read uh, the Daily Knicks or the Jet Press through Fansided, you can find our podcast there as well because we're partnered with them. We're also on YouTube, so make, make sure to type in Knicks, comma, Jets, comma, ETC, period. Subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. And when you watch a video, hit the like button, leave a comment, interact with us, let us know your takes, add to the conversation. We want to hear it. We'll talk to you guys. We, we love it. All right. We want to know what your thoughts are about both the teams or whatever we're talking about. While you're over there, we also got another podcast, Winning Picks Weekly, also sponsored through Fansided. John, video producer Greg, go down the NFL slate usually. Sometimes they talk about NBA, whether it's on NBA TV, ESPN, ABC, no matter the game, no matter where it's broadcasted, they will, gam- they will gamble, they will bet, and they'll give you the takes. They're also doing March Madness, so make sure to check out some of those if you're still going to get your bets in. And last and certainly not least, we're on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it, we are there. All right, guys. Let's get into this. It's been one hell of a week. One hell of a week. The New York Knicks were on a four-game winning streak going into Wednesday night against the Charlotte Hornets where they were home at MSG. I was was so hopeful, man, that they could go on a five-game winning streak, seeing what we saw from the youth, RJ playing so well. We saw uh, Jericho Sims getting some uh, major burn and taking some major strides. We saw Quentin Grimes, even though he's been injured for the last couple of games, he was out there shooting. We know he's taking care of that knee, but he was playing well. Mitchell Robinson is coming to his own. He's having a good stretch of games. And Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly, both taking leaps. Emmanuel quickly as a playmaker. Obi Toppin showing what he can do and how dynamic he is and what he can offer this offense for this team. Great stuff. But unfortunately, because of some poor coaching, Knicks would lose to the Charlotte Hornets. Knicks would lose to the Charlotte Hornets, ending their winning streak and getting them knocked out of potential play-in. They are eliminated from the playoffs completely after the Atlanta Hawks won last night. So the Knicks are now on the outside looking in, which I thought was going to happen. You know, And it's not necessarily saying I want to be right, but this team, this coaching, it's just been too inconsistent to think that they could, put, they could string something together to really – make a playoff push at the end, it, it, the, the writing was on the wall. The writing's been on the wall for most of the season, and that's why it's been tough to really rally and be so optimistic like our guy, John, right, who was looking for that winning streak to win out to get to the play-in. That would have been cool. That would have been a great story, especially with the youth, the way, the, the way they've been playing the last stretch of games. But it's a, it was a tall order with how inconsistent this team is. And we saw that with the poor coaching against the Charlotte Hornets, right? Tom Thibodeau, 
leaned heavy on his veterans. Once again, as we've seen throughout this entire season, especially Alec Burst game, 41 minutes, bringing Evan Fournier. Uh, well, he brought back in RJ for Emmanuel quickly, but benching Emmanuel quickly after he got hot going for 11 points in the last six minutes. Uh, or I should say not the last six minutes, but in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter. Questionable decision-making. Freezing RJ out of the third quarter just to get Randall going when RJ was killing it and was a big factor to why the Knicks were in the game in the first quarter and why they had the lead. A lot of questionable decision-making. Shout out to my guy, Remy, over at Knicks Man TV, who writes the, the, the game recaps and gave Tom Thibodeau a zero. And I, would, I agree with that. Poor coaching. You went away from something that was working on the four-game winning streak, which was the youth, right? We saw Obi Toppin, Manuel Quickly, Jericho Sims, Mitchell Robinson, all these dudes playing really well. And then you decide to go away from that and go back and rely on your veterans who we've seen throughout this entire season have not been so reliable. Inconsistent. Poor. A lot of isolation basketball. Not great ball movement. But when we saw the youth, that's what we were getting, right? Pushing them with pace, shooting a lot of threes, knocking them down. You had RJ doing what Thibodeau wants to do, which is having him go downhill to draw the defense to create open shooters and to offset the defense. So that way, guys can get the ball cut and get easy looks at the rim. Stuff that Tom Thibodeau wants. But, hey, go back to the vets and rely on those guys. Why not? Makes sense. No, it doesn't. I'm being sarcastic. But... Because of that, we're on the outside looking in. And now all we can do is just wait for the season to be over with the last five games and see how this front office moves and the moves they're going to make. <sighs> it's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough because during that winning streak, even when Randall was playing, we saw the team have a 7.2 net rating with Randall, even with the short, short pooting, uh, his, short, his poor shooting night. <laughs> yeah, and tongue twisted over here. His poor shooting night against the Chicago Bulls. Nick still had a 7.2 net rating. They were killing it. Killing it. And even without Randall, his kids had a 5.2 net rating, 102.9 offensive rating, 117.7 defensive rating. They weren't great defensively. They still gave up a lot of points, but they were still outscoring their opponents because why? Pace, knocking down their shots, creating mismatches, getting out in transition, sharing the rock. That's why that offense looked good. Does that mean that they would have been an offensive juggernaut? No, not at all. Not at all. But the fact that they're playing that way helps create a lot of easy baskets. That's all it does. That's playing good basketball. That's good team basketball. That's what we were seeing. But then we went away from that. We went back to a lot of ISO heavy basketball again. And that's why we lost. So being on the outside looking in, what are some of the questions that we have? Do we bring Tom Thibodeau back? Do we bring Julius Randle back? We've had multiple conversations on that. With the last two episodes with CK2K and JD Sports Talk. Both, both our guys, great conversations. Make sure to go check out both of those episodes if you have not. But guys, I'm on the side of moving on from Randall and bringing Tibbs back. And I'm okay with that. And I'm going to start with Julius Randall. Julius Randall has been inconsistent this season. But even for being inconsistent, it's not his inconsistency. I could do with inconsistent player to a certain degree, especially if they're playing hard playing with a lot of effort, I can deal with that because I still think he is a good basketball player. But even if he was consistent, if he's playing hard and he's just having a down year, I can get past that. But the fact that he isn't playing hard, especially when he played at the beginning of the season, being lax on defense, 
very ISO heavy, incorporating moves that really shouldn't be in his envelope to begin with. Right? Shout out to my boy Lowe's. He always talks about playing within your envelope, playing your to your strengths, your skill sets. He was doing stuff that wasn't in his skill set. He wasn't doing the stuff that he did last season that got him to be second all NBA, NBA all-star. He went away from that. Baseline jumpers, didn't see that. That step back baseline jumper that it was that was butter. Didn't see that. Instead, we saw the in-between dribble to towards the right hand, and he's a lefty. That's not making any sense. We see him trying to back, going back to his old habits of backing down players from the three-point line instead of getting to the post. We see him not taking the mid-range jumper around the foul line, which is his best shot. Just completely went away from his game, and that wasn't playing defense, man. The thing that I raved about this past offseason, I keep going back to how he defended Kyrie Irving against the Nets the one where Scott Foster robbed the Knicks because it was a foul on Julius Randle at the end of the game. But then you don't play with defense. You pick and choose. Poor decision-making. Not sharing the rock. And then you decide to blame the fans. You decide to just continuously argue with the refs. You call out the refs, too. Call out the refs saying that they call fouls for you differently. You decide not to show up to media. I'm sorry, not just strict with media, but you decide not to show up to post-game interviews. Put down your teammates. How, how, is, this, how is this justifiable? You're getting into arguments with, your, with, with, with assistant coaches, slapping computers, tossing the ball away after the Knicks, after your team just defeated the Chicago Bulls, a top team, a playoff team at that, and you guys are still in contention for the play-in? What is this? You're not helping guys off the floor. You're not doing any of this. Instead, you just want to get yours and call it a day. You give us thumb down, the thumb downs to the fans. You, you say F, essentially saying F you to the fans. What is this? And it's between the on-court play, the interactions, the, the, the lack of holding himself accountable and blaming everybody else. Like, what is that? That's not a good teammate. That's not that's not team that's not camaraderie. That isn't being a leader. And because you're not that and you're the most paid guy, you're the highest paid guy on the team, how is that even respectable? How's that respect how's that look to other everybody else on the team? If you're doing that. And on top of that, you have the longest leash who's been enabled by a coach who doesn't seem to know how to hold you accountable. But now you're at this point where you think you're deserving of it. It doesn't make any sense. And you call the fans, you're calling out the fans, but yet the fans were the people who were chanting MVP for you last season, who were defending you last season. There were talks of Bam Adebayo being better than you. And not only myself, but others were defending you saying, no, Julius Randle's a good basketball player. Everybody, everybody defended this man last season. Every Nick fan. Every Nick fan was on, was, was, was championing you. But now it gets a little tough and you don't like it because everyone should be understanding and caring and allow you to do what you want to do and it just support everything that you do. No, it's not like that. Mm-mm. Nope. Especially if you don't play hard for the city. If you are not going to play hard for the city and rip it with pride, then you don't deserve to be here. That's a fact. That is a fact. You want to talk about Knicks fans being holding players accountable? Yeah, we should. We should. 
We are paying customers. <laughs> no fans, you don't get the bucks. No viewership, you don't get the bucks. So yeah, there is accountability. There is a high standard. There is, especially for one of the most historic franchises in the NBA. All right. I don't want to hear it's just Nick fans, Celtics fans, Lakers fans. They all do it. Bulls fans. They all have high standards for their team. You you, you think you're the first one? You will not be the first. You're not going to be the last to get chastised by fans. Go talk to Jim Boylan, a head coach for the Chicago Bulls. Got chastised. Was called idiot on numerous platforms. We're not even calling you an idiot. We're just asking you to play harder, play tougher. And you don't even want to do that. You think that's too critical. No one's even judging your mental like that. Sure, there's some fans that may be doing that. There's toxic fans in every fan base. But you're upset about the people who are criticizing and being critical of your game because we watch it. We see it on a night-to-night basis. We see you taking off plays. And you're upset at that? Please. So because of the basketball play on the court, because of his off-court shenanigans... I don't see you're going to have this guy back next season. I think you got to move him. I think it's just best to, for him to go to a, a, you know, a new team. Go figure it out. I think it's also going to be tough to figure out if he can accept a lesser role. I think that's a big question. I think if you're the front office and you're thinking about bringing back Julius Randle, then you got to get rid of Tom Thibodeau then. And if you get rid of Tom Thibodeau, you're taking a big gamble on another coach. Who can come in here, try to reel Randall in. He's still going to be the highest paid guy. He's still going to remember what he did for the Knicks. He's still going to look at himself as that second team, all NBA, all star, most improved player. As he should. He should look at himself like that. He should use it as confidence. I'm not taking that away from him. But on this team, because he was that guy that led this team to the four seed last season, he still will have that thought process. Most likely. I'm not, I'm, I don't know what he's thinking. But that's my analysis. They probably most have, likely have that. You're going to be expecting a coach to come in here and try to rein him in, think like that, and then have to hold him accountable. But if he's not going to do it with the guy that helped him get there and hold himself accountable, how are you going to have another coach that comes in here, especially a young coach like Johnny Bryant, if that is the next guy who seems like to be the heir apparent to being the next head coach for the New York Knicks, do you trust Johnny Bryant? to have that type of pull on Julius Randle? Personally, no. I think I'd rather have the youth. If I'm going Johnny Bryant, I'd rather have youth. I think if you're going youth, you're then going to James Dolan and saying, we're rebuilding. We're still rebuilding. Like, we're still a rebuilding team. But now you're saying a team that just went to the playoffs, you're saying you're going to bring in a new head coach. You're going to get rid of the guy that you just paid. It doesn't make any sense to get rid of the guy you just paid, bring in a new head coach. It's a lot of cleaning. That's a big overhaul. And because of that, I don't think that's realistic. I don't see both of them going. That's why I'm more so leaning towards Tibbs. I think if, if one, I think one's going to go. I think one. I think one of Tibbs or Randall will go. And I think Randall is the more likely candidate than Tibbs because if you if you're keeping Randall. You're, you're taking a bet that Johnny Bryant can now rein him in, that the locker room will still respect him after what, he, what has transpired this season, and that he will listen to Johnny Bryant, potentially take a lesser role in the office, 
offense and figure out how to play with RJ Barrett. Because when you watch them both play at this point, it's a lot of my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. It's ugly basketball. There's no cutting it. And when Randall was good, RJ was essentially a three and D guy with a snake dribble to get you to the mid range jumper. So if RJ is going to develop more and be, have more playmaking, more responsibilities, not saying that you can't have two players that have a lot of responsibilities and work in an offense, but how does Randall feel having to give up some of those duties to RJ? How does Randall feel having to take the lesser responsibility? This is all gambles that you, you got to say. Now, here's the thing with why I would go with tips. Without Randall, we saw the kids play the way Tom Thibodeau wants to play. We saw them play fast. We saw them uh, shoot a lot of threes. We saw them play tough-nosed defense, share the rock. All the things Tom Thibodeau preached, the kids do without Randall. All right? He likes when RJ gets downhill and attacks relentlessly. RJ does that. Julius, which Tom Thibodeau's always touted, if RJ and Randall are getting downhill, it opens up for everybody else. And Randall's become more of a jump shooter than he is somebody that should be more utilizing the pick and roll or just drive downhill. And he hasn't really done it that much this season. He's under double digits. Last season was double digits drives. He was like 10 drives per game, gain to the rack. I think he's about eight right now. Last time I checked. RJ, on the other hand, he's in the doubles. <laughs> he's back 10, 11. So you see that. And I look at that, I'm like, all right, so you're playing the way your coach wants you to play. When you guys do play, you're pretty disciplined. You all hold yourself accountable. And sure, there is the aspect of players, especially young players who are playing for another contract. That's going to be a factor in there. The other fact you have to think of that, oh, they're actually listening to the coach too. And they're playing the style that he wants to play, the brand of basketball that he wants to play. And they are doing that. And they are getting better as you do it. And that's why I look at Tom Thibodeau. I'm like, I can deal with Tom Thibodeau for another season. Not saying he's going to be the guy here long-term. Not saying that I want him here long-term. Not saying that he's going to take us to a championship. But I can deal with another season if you peel back this roster. Force him to use some of these young guys because we've seen under them in limited times, even when they were losing to the OKC Thunder and Toronto Raptors, when they also didn't have Julius Randle, they are playing the same brand of basketball that he liked. So they're listening to him in that regards, right? Now, this doesn't eliminate Tom Thibodeau's poor coaching this entire season. There's no excuse for it. Rotation sucked. Uh, late game execution sucked. A lot of things sucked. <laughs> poor coaching this season by Tom Thibodeau. But the things that he has done well is help these guys develop. Helped. He's not the main reason, but he has helped. You can't take that away from him. Because if I asked you, would these kids develop under David Fisdale? The answer would probably be no. And it should be no, because we saw Frank Nelkina, Kevin Knox not develop under David Fisdale. And who else? Who else developed under who under David Fisdale for this Knicks team that was young is still in the NBA today? I don't see Kadeem Allen in the in the NBA like that. I don't see Frank in a lot of minutes. Sure, Kevin Knox went off the other night, but I don't see him having a prominent role right now. So who's David Fisdale developed? Who? Manuel Moutier? What was Manuel Moutier doing? I can affirm, I can, I feel more confident, I should say. I won't affirm. I feel more confident that even if Tom Thibodeau left, that he has helped these kids become better basketball players because of how strict he is. And to some, to some extent, you need some, you need, you need some strictness in your life to, to become better. You need some discipline. 
You need some tough love. And he gives him that. So those are, that's another reason I keep Tom Thibodeau around. Another reason I keep Tom Thibodeau around is because when I look at this team, I actually think he's a good he's got he's let me rephrase that. When I look at this team, they play in defense. Their defense has been well really well, playing really well since the all-star break. Even though the offense has been bad and Tom Tibbs is not an offensive minded guy, the defense has been up there. They've been playing pretty good defense for as lackadaisical as Julius Randle's been, for as inconsistent this team has been. Their defense is pretty good. That's why their net rating is a negative 0.9. They've been in games, poor late game execution, but they're playing defense. So defense, helping the kids develop. Those are two things I'd say about Tom Thibodeau that I'd bring back for those, for, those, for, for those reasons. And they play the style that he wants. And I think he gives you that structure for another season to make sure that these guys are solid NBA players. Now, some people say that, you know, they should, he should go because of all the coaching flaws that he has. And some people will say that, you know, some people will respond, and I've responded like this saying, well, look at the roster you've given him. What was he going to work with? And let's say that's an excuse. Is it an excuse? Maybe, slightly, but it's also the truth. If you give someone a cluttered roster with contracts that they need to play with Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, like you have to play those guys. They're your two highest paid, highest paid players on the team, you know? The, neither one of those guys is going to sit. They're not going to be benched. They got to get some sort of minutes to show that their contract value is actually there. You brought back Alec Burks. He's going to play. You paid him. If Noel and Derek Rose are back, you paid them. You re-signed them. They're going to play. Kemba Walker, off-season signing, you, you need to play. Now, you can say these are all things, and don't get me wrong. I, I hate how Tom Thibodeau handled the whole Kemba Walker situation. I think it could have been done with better grace. I think he could have moved into the bench, but he was too, too strict, too, too myopic to a certain degree in what he saw Kimball Walker as. He should have been more flexible. That's the better word, flexible. He wasn't flexible enough with Kimball Walker. And I'll acknowledge all of those things. There's someone, to, there's someone an excuse, sure, but they're just facts. Like, you can't change it. And even though I said I wanted the kids to play more and wish they got more minutes throughout this season, that doesn't mean we're winning. And that doesn't mean they'd stay healthy. There's just things that we don't know if the kids played even sooner, right? Cam Reddish got a limited playing time. He got injured. Cam Reddish got hurt during the Miami Heat. These are things that we don't know if they start playing sooner. And we can go back to how they played against OKC Thunder. Even though Jericho Sims wasn't in there, and we didn't have Randall, they didn't play that well. And we still had Evan Fournier for that game. They just didn't play that well. And you're going to see, if you had a lot of young guys playing and all youth, it's going to be a very inconsistent team. It's very unlikely for an all-young team to be that impactful in the NBA. You needed a good blend of veterans and youth. Sure, you can ask to cut back some of the minutes. I agree. We could we could say cut back some of the minutes. It's still an unknown to what this team would have looked like 
because we just don't know injuries. We don't know if they were ready. We don't know any of those things. But as I see late in the season with these kids getting minutes and the four-game winning streak that they went on, I could say I could at least bring back the coach and see how it goes next season. Now, that doesn't mean Tibbs should be uh, guaranteed a, another full season. You know, if the team comes out and they're playing piss poor, get them out of here. Those are my thoughts on why I'd keep Tibbs. You move on from Randall. The good that Tibbs brings, I think he brings a structure. I think he brings accountability. The young kids keep themselves accountable. They have good character too, but they also hold themselves accountable. They're playing for a second contract. Yeah, but they don't like everyone says, yeah, you got to put more on the kids. Yeah. Like I said, I put more on the kids. Frank need, Frank's need to be a dog too, right? They're playing for the second NBA contract. Frank was on the brink of being out of here. All right. The Dallas Mavericks essentially saved him. But he was on the brink of being out of here. So it's a blend, right? You need to have a good structure for these kids to succeed and have a role. And that's the other thing that Tom Thibodeau does. He actually creates a role for them. It's too strict. I agree. But we went from, it's an overcorrection because what was Fizdale? He wasn't strict enough. He didn't have consistent rotations. You never knew what the rotations were going to be. And he put guys out of position. Mook at the three, Kevin Knox at the two, Julius Randle being a, a point forward when he shouldn't have been a point forward. Sure, we've seen him do it the, these two se- past two seasons. It's not great. But at least last season, he wasn't doing it necessarily as much when he had Alfred Payton. Because Alfred Payton would just be the norm- nominal point guard to bring up the ball and pass it to Randle. But you can say Tom Thibodeau actually creates a structure for these guys to succeed in. We see Quentin Grimes succeeding as a 3 and D player. We see quickly succeeding as a guard off the bench, right? We see Obi Toppin when he gets in here, when he gets some consistent minutes, succeeding at being a four, an athletic dynamic uh, four. We see RJ Barrett, now that Tibbs has given him more responsibility to have the offense run through him. It looks good while doing it. And he gives him some trust. He gives him that trust to try to finish games. We've seen Mitch develop and become a better center under Tom Thibodeau. Unlike David Fisdale, fouling left and right. Even when Mike Miller was in here, he still had some fouling issues. He got slightly better, but he still had some fouling out issues. And not necessarily the technique to box out, set screens, and do everything else. That, at least, he's learned under Tom Thibodeau. Yes, we can talk about giving credit to Kenny Payne and how much did Tom Thibodeau actually improve, but he's putting him in position to succeed. David Fizzle didn't do that. He's trying to. And that's the stuff I can say at least Tibbs is doing that we haven't seen coaches like Hornacek didn't necessarily do that. Fisher did. Derek Fisher didn't do that. Last coach that did that was Mike Woodson. So those are just some of the reasons I keep Tom Thibodeau around. (sighs) Well, guys, with this season... The last thing I want to say is, before I give you my takes on the upcoming remaining games, you know, I tweeted out that this has been a miserable season with some few bright spots. And some people were pushing back saying, it's more disappointing than miserable. And I can, I can get with that. Sure, I can get with that. But when I look back on the season, I don't look at how everything transpired and the expectations I had being a playoff team. It's been a little disappointing because or I could, I could say why I think it's been miserable. Well, I'll accept disappointing too. Why I think it's been miserable is because we've seen stagnant offense for most of the season. 
a coach who's been unable to be flexible and allowing some of the youth and the trust the youth to play more. We've seen Julius Randle backlash with whether it's the refs, fans, t- other other players in the league. We've seen Alec Burks get extended run. Derek Rose hasn't played this entire season. The Kemba Walker signing didn't work well. I'm just going down the list of things that just are disappointing, man. Like it's been miserable to watch all this unfold. We had Tom Thibodeau bench Kemba Walker. We had the whole league backlash saying why Kemba should be playing. It's just a lot of stuff, man. The season's been, it's been topsy turvy. If you watch it, if you watched all, if you're watching all 82 games or damn near close to it, I think we could say that it's been a rough season to watch and that some people are just happy that it's about to be over because it's really been that rough. You know, we're getting some bubbles from Randall from uh, we have uh, Randall's wife retweeting CP and getting into a debate with him on Twitter. We have Tom Thibodeau saying you got to watch film and attacking the fans. We got, we got everybody just, it's a civil war right now in Nick's nation. And that's why it's kind of been miserable. It hasn't been all feel good like last season. Yeah, everyone got an L for Peyton and it could get annoying. But at least we could all rally that the team's good, right? The team's good and it's actually enjoyable to watch last season. You know, people can rally around saying David Fizzle wasn't a good coach and we knew that. This season is just so many different sides. It really feels like Marvel Civil, the Civil War, right? Whose side are you taking? It feels like the two that you're, the people are taking is either Randall, where people think we're just continuously kicking out superstars, which is comical. I don't know how many stars we've kicked out of here because we haven't been able to attract a star, and not because it's the fans. It's because front office hasn't been good, all right? Don't you remember when LeBron James came here? You haven't listened to Chuck D. Shattered. They talk about how that meeting went down. Wasn't too promising. It wasn't because of fans. Mello came here. We didn't kick Mello out. It was time for him to go because we gave him nothing. And how could he trust a front office after the Phil Jackson experience? And I think it was just best for them to separate. He re-signed with the Knicks when he probably shouldn't have gone to the Chicago Bulls at that point. And it was before that. David Lee got traded because we all thought, even though he was an all-star, we all thought he wasn't a superstar. He was an all-star. We got trade. We thought we were going to get LeBron James. We got Amari here. He had bad knees and a bad back. He couldn't play. <laughs> Who have we kicked out? That's just a little, that's just a little side tangent, but this season's been rough, but guys, but the few bright spots I could say, we got some talent. We got some talent on this team. Unlike the dire years where we've had no talent of like Alexi Shved, Will Munson, uh, Ramon Sessions, all those guys having Jarrett Jack run point, the whole Kevin Knox, Frank Nolakina experience. There's actually some NBA talent on this team where there's actually some promise here where you look at Quentin Grimes, Deuce Pride, Jericho Sims, Mitchell Robinson, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett. And you could say, oh, there's some talent on this team. Even Cam Reddish, you go get this team. You could say, ooh, there's some talent on this team. This could be something. We could have something cooking here. We just got to see them all get to their potential that I'm optimistic about. And those are the, that's the, those are the few bright spots that I have. It's a, you could, you could say that it's not a few, but the only reason I say it's a few is because we didn't get to see him play that much. So that's why it's a few bright spots, but it's been a tough season guys. Hopefully, hopefully these last five games, we get to see the youth play and get to see them play well and end it on a high note in that way to say, Oh, well, at least we know what we could have for next season. If this front office is able to trade some guys, pull back all the veterans and let the youth play. 
But the last thing we'll go get into, guys, is the upcoming schedule. And the Knicks' first game we have this week is the is the Cleveland Cavaliers on Saturday. I don't know how I feel about that game. Not really too high on it because the Cavs are still fighting for uh, to be in the playoffs. the The reigning of the of the playoffs has not been uh, solidified, so not too sure. Cleveland's been a good team this season, and I think they're going to come with their A game because they want to make sure that they get a playoff spot. They're right now right behind Toronto, and they need to. There was their two and a half games behind Toronto, so they would have to win out. And I think they're going to try to make sure to get that sixth seed. Um, so I'm not really too high on the Knicks winning uh, this next game, even though I'd like to see it and be some. I hope they. I hope they're just like a wrecking crew, man. They just ruin it for other teams and make it tougher for everybody else. That's the only way I could look at it because draft draft seeing at this point doesn't even really matter. You know, according to according to Tankathon, we are, you know, we're twelfth right now in, in draft prospects. So we're gonna be drafting twelve, which is you really need some work to get high, but to get higher in the draft in the lottery. But at this point, losing out these rest of these games isn't really gonna move the needle that much. So the remaining games that we got, we got Cleveland this weekend. Not too high on that one. We got we're gonna have Orlando on Sunday. That's a winnable game. I actually think the Knicks can win that one. They'll be down in Orlando. We'll see what happens. And then when John gets back, we'll talk about the remaining schedule, which is the Brooklyn Nets, Washington Wizards, and the Toronto Raptors. But for those next two games, guys, I think the Knicks are gonna be one and one. Losing to Cleveland, being the Orlando Magic. And yeah. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to my solo rant for today. Thank you for tuning in. You know what to do. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. We're on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitch, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple and Spotify, please make sure to give us a five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a comment that just helps oh so greatly. We're also on YouTube. So make sure to type in Nick's comma, Jets comma, ETC, period. No one writes out excited. That's just wild. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. And leave a comment, guys. Interact with us. Let us know what you think. Add to the conversation. We love to hear. We love to interact with you guys. We're trying to build a community here. And we're very appreciative that you even tune in and listen to us. It's just, it's amazing that you guys want to listen to our thoughts and hear our takes on sports. And it's just awesome, guys. So we're really appreciative for all our listeners out there. And while you're over at YouTube, we got another podcast, which is also sponsored by Fantide. You can go do a search for them as well. They're on all audio listening platforms too. It's Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, go down the NFL slate. Usually when it's in action, they also give you some NBA betting, college basketball, whatever you can gamble on. These guys will give you their takes. So make sure you go check them out. And last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks Jets, etc. podcast. We out.